welcome to another episode of uh, the Morning After Podcast. Pastor Josh here with you here as always with Pastor Jim. Mm-hmm. How, how are you doing this morning, Pastor Jim? I have a bad problem with phlegm this morning, Josh. Thanks oh, for asking. Good. Yeah, I, it's I, uh, nice and cold outside. So. I think I'd be flying. I, Idaho has no humidity, and then they come back to humidity. My sinuses are trying to catch up. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't ask questions you don't want answers to, man. That's All, what right. I'm saying. All right. And then we have a special guest today with us, David Spears. How are you doing today, David? I'm great, thanks. And he is the Caribbean director. <laughs> I already messed it up. <laughs> what, what did you say your title was again? I'm sorry. I'm the area director for the Caribbean for Assemblies of God World Missions. Okay, yeah. So he's a big deal. So Let's say that again. What is that? Is there an acronym? You're the what? The area director for the Assemblies of God World Missions, AGWM. 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 The AD for the AGWM. Yeah, so historic, he uh, he was one of the speakers yesterday for our Mission Sunday, and we're uh, super thankful that you could come in and, and do this podcast Glad with us. Um, but curious, Pastor, Pastor Jim, how yeah. you thought yesterday yesterday went? You know, I, I'm probably the wrong person to ask. Yeah. I, I love missions, so yep. we got to have a conversation about missions. The only complaint I have is it should have been three hours instead of 30 minutes long, because <laughs> I there's so many things I wanted to drill down into, and I just enjoy it. It's kind of like talking to a deer hunter, so let's talk about deer hunting. You have four minutes. You know, it's right. like, no, I, I can't even get started in four minutes. So I, I thought right. it was awesome. I was really pleased by the response and the altars of people coming forward for prayer, saying, I think... Yeah, you know, maybe there's there's something else for me. Did you have some people that were thinking about missions uh, that you prayed for? Or was it more yeah, just definitely. decision? Yeah. So well, and friends that have come and you know been with us on the field in Mexico and yeah, and right, in Cuba. So that yeah. was awesome too. I think it was just even if you're not called to missions, it was a good Sunday to just what are you called to do? That's scary right now that you're not doing. Absolutely. And go out and do it. You I know? was surprised at the common theme, like you know. So tell me your story, and it's like. It's the same story, only the names have been right. changed to protect the innocent. Yeah. And then the wife know, gets what, the vision first. Yeah. Right. And she tells it to her husband. Right. Her husband says, no way. And then a year later, he says, okay. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, what was the reaction of the people around you? And what was the, you know, the process yeah. to get there? And, right. you know, what, what advice would you give? It was like, you know, just trust God. Like that, everybody said the same yeah. thing. So it, it's well, even, interesting. Even like I, in my shoes, like, yeah. You and mom have always been super supportive of everything that I've done. But if I came tomorrow and said, I'm moving my family to Bangladesh and we're going to be yeah. missionaries there, like I imagine there would be some tough conversations there. You yeah, know? no, I'd be super proud of you and try to talk you out of it, just like every other good father. You know? Yeah. No, <laughs> it's funny, if you came to me with that look in your eye that said, I know that I know, yeah. that that's different. Right. Uh, it would be it would be emotionally very hard because I've right. kind of gotten used to your face. Yeah. You know? And I think that's I think that's what a lot of people were saying yesterday is like their their families come around to it eventually but it's it's really hard whenever it's you're taking my grandbabies to yeah. China. Oh, you're taking him? Never mind. Yeah. No, no, no. Right, I'm, I'm right. I thought just yeah. you and Laura were going. No, you can't take Hollis. That's a, that's right. a different thing. No, he's a keeper. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, David, I'm just curious of uh, a little bit about your story. I know that you you got married, and you said that you were kind of running away from your your calling whenever you yeah. did get married. Yep. Um, what what was that like turning point of like I'm not gonna run away from it anymore, like I I need to do this. Was there like a come to Jesus moment or? Oh, there was an absolute come to Jesus moment. Okay. It. I mean, some of what I talked about yesterday, I think it was yesterday in the first service that my parents had passed away six weeks apart. Yeah. And was that like were were they were they, were they like expected deaths or were they like? Well, they, like, were I they, mean, they sick were surprised or? in that I mean, my dad's my mom had had cancer for about two years. Okay, and then my dad um, actually had had cancer the same time as my mother. Okay, and they 
my mom was being treated, but my dad's cancer was more internal and really hadn't affected his body until yeah. about August of 1991. Within It took him six weeks to figure out what was actually wrong with him. Okay. And he died six weeks later. So, yes, we had some wow. time, but it was, I mean, it's a very sudden thing to happen yeah. when your dad's 44 right. and you're only 21. Yeah, I can't even imagine. And then mom got sick because she didn't take care of herself, and she died six weeks later on January 16th. So, so through the process of your dad dying, your mom understandably had extra demands on her emotionally oh, yeah. and physically. Right. And right. Now, and she was kind of in a, you know, it, her cancer was inactive, and, you know, she was doing really well. Before yeah. dad got sick. So. Were you were you married at that point already? Yeah, or? my dad married my wife and I. He was a pastor in okay. Canton, Michigan, and at Canton Calvary Assembly of God. And he married us in January, January nineteenth. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we were newly married. Yeah, man. So, so. Did, when when they when they passed away, did that kind of did it kind of make you think like life is short and like I need to stop running from this and just do what God's calling me to do or what was it that made I think you more than anything I was just ticked okay I was mad yeah I was mad at God and it kind of came to like a, a crisis moment I was on my way to work I was mm-hmm. working at a lab in Ypsilanti we were living in Westland living in their house sleeping in their bed you know had a great big chalk drawing of them over the bed uh, wow. th- that's just the way life happened and so yeah. that was really weird so every day, you know, you're aware of the fact that they're missing, they're gone, and they're yeah. gone forever. And mm-hmm. I was on my way to work and just screaming, just crying, you know, and screaming out. And I, and I screamed to the top of my lungs in my car, I don't even know if there is a God, and just kind of pounding on the roof of my car. Wow. And it was absolutely silent after that in the car, and, and I just said, okay, God. I know you do exist because I've experienced you. Yeah. And I think it was, you know, that was just kind of that moment. But it was shortly thereafter I just said, all right, God, I'm, I'm sick of life my way. I don't want to do what I want to do anymore. I mm-hmm. want to do whatever it is that you have for me. Wow. And so, yeah, crisis moment. And yeah. And then just, Can all right, God, what do you want? Okay, I feel like a lot of people have those crisis moments in their lives. Yeah. But they go one of two ways. One of them is I'm going to just fall off the face of the planet. There is no God. I'm going to do whatever I want to. I don't care about you. Yeah. And then the other one is what you ended up doing, which Mm -hmm. is, no, I'm going to hold on to you even tighter. And, like, I I believe that you have a plan for my life. Yeah. Like, how did you – how did – how did you make the decision that you did instead of going the opposite? I said the same thing. How do you go from banging on the roof screaming basically yeah. at God because you're mad at him to, okay, whatever you want it. Like, what does that look like? I'm, I'm having a hard time connecting those yeah, dots. Yeah, like, right. Is that just like the family you were yeah, growing up in? And like, Well, it, it, you know, I think that it is maybe hard to connect the dots for someone who didn't grow up in my home. I was blessed to grow up with great parents. Yeah. I mean, they were pastors. Um, right. You know, typical pastor's home you know just Mm -hmm. dad was gone a lot that kind of thing but I mean one thing about my parents is they really love the Lord yeah and they introduced us to the faith at a very young age and and modeled that for us Mm -hmm. so I knew what it looked like to be a believer but I think along the way every single individual has to make their own decision yeah about God you have right. to make your own decision whether or not God is real, whether what the Bible says is true or mm-hmm. not. And I had seen enough of it to know where to look 
but when I really was honest with myself, I had had experienced God. I had experienced what it's like to be in his presence. Yeah. To know that this is not of this world. This mm-hmm. is something otherworldly, supernatural, because I, I'd just been there. I, right. I don't know how else to explain it other yeah. than I'd been in God's presence right. and I knew he was real. Yeah. Pastor Jim says that all the time of just you need, every generation needs their own personal revelation of Jesus. Yeah. Like you, you can't go off of your parents' Absolutely. revelation. If you do, it'll when tragedy strikes, you you find out that your faith isn't really real. You've just been living off of your your family's. Yeah, not just faith. tragedy. Going off to college or the Marine Corps right. or factory work. If you don't if you don't leave that home with your own faith, you're you're devil. Yeah. Whatever life stress you happen to go through. Right. So okay, let's fast forward then. How how long after that are we are we? we you know that you're called to be a missionary and okay. So that was probably in the spring of 1991. Okay. Um, fast forward kind of through that year, by the fall of that year, or during the summer, um, Kristen and I had made a decision, you know, that we're going to just follow God's call for our life. And yeah. I just felt, you know, from praying and pressing into God and to his presence that the Lord was leading us to go to Central Bible College for training. Okay. For ministry. Yeah. I had no idea what, and Central Bible College was familiar to our family because my father had gone there. Both of my grandparents had, well, yep. three of my grandparents, so <laughs> my grandma and grandpa Spear went uh-huh. to Central CBI at the time, and then my grandpa Oliver went to CBC Extension down in Detroit, and my dad went there, um, so it was natural. Yeah. So fast forward into my second semester, I have an introduction to missions class, and the first day I'm sitting on, you know, sup, you know, like second row back and mm-hmm. Professor Carpenter starts to talk about Mexico City and I just lose it. I start crying. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Um, I might look back on it now and I know God was just stirring right. my destiny, stirring yeah. me up so that I would he was provoking me. Right. What are you going to do with what? Had I'm you doing? ever been to Mexico at that point or just heard stories? I've been to the border. Okay. I had no idea, but my it, but what was strange is that it was Mexico City specific. Right. When he, whenever he would talk about Mexico City throughout those first few weeks yeah. of class, which he did often because they had just taken a trip there that summer, right? I would be a mess. Do you I like would, talk to him after class? Like, hey, can you please stop talking about that in front of people? Because I'm just <laughs> no, I'm I so- didn't. I'm I, sobbing in front of the class. <laughs> well, I was embarrassed, and I didn't. I literally didn't know what was happening. Yeah. You know, I didn't know if I was just being emotional. Right. Because of mom and dad just dying or, you know, it was just a really weird time and I had no idea what was going on. But I kind of had an inkling because one of those times I remember praying and just saying, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But if you want me to go there, you just have to tell me. Yeah. Um, I was because of the time I had run away from the call in my life. Mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't want any more of my way. I just needed God's direction. Just as pure and simple as he wanted to give it I just didn't want any more of me right and about six weeks into the semester every Friday they would have a missions emphasis chapel I think the speaker was Bob Houlihan and he was the regional director for Asia Pacific so I had nothing to do with Mexico City yeah and at the end of the service it was just a quiet time and I just had my hands raised just listening to God and that's when he spoke and Mm -hmm. said I want you to be a missionary for me to Mexico City wow that's awesome. Can I ask a question? Yeah, go for it. So, I, something that surprised me yesterday as well, and then you just brought it up again, was the short-term missions trip. I, there's been some controversy about Americans going on short-term missions trips, and is that really a good investment of missions dollars? And if you really, you know, for the 
a team to go build a $10,000 church, but takes $20,000 worth of travel expenses to get them there and back. And you should have just sent the $30,000 and not the team. Have you heard some of that debate on short-term mission stuff? But yesterday I heard a lot of, you know, Caleb went to where he was going to on a short-term trip, came back and said, yep, that's it. You just talked about a short-term trip that that Professor Carpenter went on and came back and told his story. I'm the result of going to Haiti at 17 years old on a short-term three-week trip. Yeah. Where I was exposed to it. I, 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 what are your thoughts? I mean, as a, there's pros and cons, I assume, but I, I'm, hearing, I'm hearing no cons right now. I'm only hearing pros. Everybody seems to be, they need to taste that, and in that tasting, they see that it's good, and they, they move forward, or their testimony from that experience affects other people's lives. What are your thoughts on short-term mission trips? I think that sometimes when people think that short-term trips are not worth it and we could better spend the money somewhere else, that they're thinking that God is not a God of abundance. Mm. They're, they're operating from a mm. place of, of lack. Yeah. And they're thinking that missions is a, good. I think there's a word that it's used in the secular world, it's a zero-sum game. That mm-hmm. in it, I think that the gist of it is there are only so many pieces of pie and so, you know, whoever, if you, whatever you spend those on, all you get is that one piece of pie, but that's not God. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's lavishly abundant. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Yeah. So I think <laughs> that every single dollar that's spent towards missions is of God. Yeah. I think that a big part um, and something that's very important is the motive, why people are going on a missions trip. Sure. Right? If they're going on a missions trip, to make themselves feel better about themselves because they're going to help someone less fortunate, that's an impure motive. Yeah. And I don't think that, that uh, well, I've seen God change that and correct mm-hmm. that midstream yeah. right yeah. in the middle of the <laughs> yeah. trip <laughs> right. on a continual basis. Yeah. So yeah. Right. They think it's even, spring break and they get there and it's just not. <laughs> no. I mean, it, I've seen God do things on the field, um, on these missions trips yeah. that could happen nowhere else maybe i mean maybe it could but i've seen right. it happen so often that i see how valuable it yeah. is in people's lives and sure i mean even the stories that i heard yesterday people coming up to me and how god really changed their life on that trip and mm-hmm. that it was a pivotal moment in their yeah. life repeatedly right. yesterday Alex, i went to oaxaca and ended up coming back saying okay my heart softened yeah. towards missions well and i think we've kind of discovered that as a church that when we're doing these short-term mission mission trips yeah we're going to help but we're kind of go- going with the understanding that it's going to change the people that are going and they're going to come back different. Yeah. So it's yeah. we're coming to help do a project, but, man, we're really expecting the people that go to come back changed, yeah. which I think is different than maybe we thought 20 years ago about missions. We were going to help, and hopefully we would get something out of it, but now it's they're going to get something out of it, and okay. hopefully they help while they're there. Back to something he said in the second service. It's like, I, I dare you to try to outgive God. Yeah. You know, go go give a week or two weeks of your life right. in, in brutal conditions, working yeah. concrete with your hands, sleeping on the ground, well, and dogs s- barking, and, and see if at the end you're not richer sure. for the experience. And you right. say it all the time of just if if we can get an 18-year-old to do these three things, yeah. there there's a good chance that they're not going to walk away from the faith, and it's the personal revelation of Jesus. Yeah. And then going on a third world mission trip, God, is, the God of the poor in, in the third world, right? And having so it's just interesting that if experience with the Holy Spirit, if they have if they have that experience. For some reason, it just they come back changed and they come back yeah. different. Yeah. So, yep. okay. Well, let's keep moving on with the story. Then you go to All CBC. Right. Um, how long? So, did you end up going? Were you there for four years? How did that work at CBC? No, I I had had uh, 
a lot of schooling before I yeah. went there okay. you know, in, in my pursuits. Uh -huh. And so I was able to complete a double major in two and a half years, I think. Okay. So I think as soon as I felt the call, I was I was trying to open the door yeah. and get myself to Mexico City and my family to Mexico City right. as fast as possible. Yeah. God had a different plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was 19, October of 1993. Okay. And it took another eight years. Wow. Before we ever actually stepped foot in Mexico. Wow. Um, we were actually in Mexico City in September of 2011. Okay. And we got stuck there because the Twin Towers fell during the time that we were in Mexico City. Okay. So um, I'll never forget that, obviously. Yeah. Right, but sure. it, the thing that's remarkable to me is um, God was very patient with me. Mm -hmm. I thought that I needed to be there right now. Yeah, but I think God just pulled back the curtain, you know, of the future and mm -hmm. showed showed Kristen and I exactly what He had for us. Yeah, but then we had to walk in faith, the process that He had to prepare us for what our future was. Right. Can so, you, can you talk about that a little bit? Like just yes. not not getting discouraged as far as like, I want to be there now. And it's, it ends up being an eight year journey, not a six month journey of just, how do you stay focused on that? How do your, how do your dreams and goals not change? And you're like, well, maybe this would just be easier. So I'll do this instead of being a missionary or whatever. Right. I would like to tell you that I wasn't frustrated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but sure. it's not true. Right. Um, in fact, I remember one Saturday afternoon that I end up having to, uh, you know, finish up a roof on a garage for actually somebody that uh, used to attend here. I can't remember their name. He was he was actually a chemist. Oh, okay. Um, and the house was over in Linden. Uh huh. And I was uh, sheeting the roof, so I'm putting the plywood on the roof so that we can get our draw and the whole uh, our whole group can get paid. Yeah. And I just remember slamming the sheets of plywood on the roof, and I was I was yelling at God. It was just me. It's, I mean, it's out in the this house is in the middle of nowhere, and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just like, God, what am I doing here? You know, and I'm slamming this down and yeah. just nailing it, bam, 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 with the nail gun, and just angry. Yeah. Why am I doing this? You called me to be a missionary, right? And now I think about it, and I remember it, and I mean, I'm a little bit embarrassed, but I know God <laughs> is very merciful and yeah. how much He loves me, right? So it probably makes him smile, you know, today yeah. thinking about it. But I just remember how frustrated I was. What I didn't understand, that God was using all of that to prepare me and help me understand the future. I mean, he was just preparing me for what I, what I do. Yeah. I mean, I've built churches and buildings literally all over the world. Right. And I didn't know how to build mm -hmm. until he put that pause what I thought was a pause on the dream yeah. was just his carrying out of what his plan was for my life all right. along. Yeah. And I think that's the most important thing that sometimes God will pull back the curtain, so to speak, and show us what the future is. Mm -hmm. But the most important things that happen in your life is what happens every day. Yeah. That's I think good. a lot of times as believers, we have the idea that it, it's that crisis event that really changes things. Uh -huh. What really changes us and molds us and shapes us along the way is every day yeah it's the everyday process that we go through right that's good and just god uses every day of your life for you to live today right um yeah so no such thing as a wasted day or a no. day that no right, god doesn't absolutely not i mean and the bible yeah. bears that out right i <laughs> my wife 
tease me because I, I always quote this verse, but it's my uh-huh. it's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, Ephesians two ten. For we are his masterpiece. Mm-hmm. We have been created anew in Christ Jesus. Why? Yeah. To do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Right. So that means today there are good things that God has planned for me to do. Yeah. And there are good things that he has planned for every single person who's listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. every believer. He has things planned out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we think that we have to have it all planned out. Yeah. But we really need to rest right. in him and just let him carry it out and just show up and be who he created us to be. And he gets the glory. Yeah, that's good. So in those eight, the eight years that you're working construction and trying to get down to Mexico City. Well, I also pastored. Okay. And okay. Well. Wow. Um, so was there ever a time that you or your wife said maybe Mexico isn't for us maybe we're or was there what was that always like you knew that we're going to be missionaries in mexico city that's a great Um, question i think that um maybe there were times along the path that in moments of frustration that because it didn't happen how i thought it would yeah that in a way i wanted to give up but having a call to do something like missions is something that you don't just put away it, yeah. it chases you because, I don't know, I, I just believe that's who God created you to be. Mm-hmm. That's that's how he made you, and it, it doesn't just go away. Yeah. And if you try to make it go away and you try to live a life that is other than pursuing God's plan for your life, I found myself to be miserable. I mean, right. I can't talk for other people. Yeah, I can only talk about me, and yeah. it just pursued me. Right, that's good. Yeah. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, obviously now you're the director for the, uh, the entire Caribbean. So you got to Mexico City. Um, did, did you feel, is, is Mexico City have a special place in your heart still? Or Absolutely. Do you, uh, okay. So. Yeah, it was just there last week. Yeah. And it's still, mm-hmm. still, I've, I've heard, I've never been to Mexico City before. Is it? As dangerous as everybody says that it is. <laughs> Does Denzel Washington walk around with right, a yeah. fire type? <laughs> like I know, obviously, there's at least I've heard like in the news, there's lots of kidnappings there. It's one of the the largest kidnapping cities in the world. But right. when you're there, does it feel like you're in downtown Detroit and you're afraid for your life, or does it feel downtown like Detroit? <laughs> I, I mean, you would have to ask somebody. For me, it feels like a place that's that's very familiar. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say home because my family's not there, but it's, but it's, right. you know, feels like, hey, this is a place that I lived I'm totally comfortable there. Yeah. Okay. You know, walking down the streets and it just feels like, yeah, this is right. They, this they is actually, not a scary thing. Right. Didn't, didn't they evacuate you guys at one point because of the crises and the kidnappings and all we that stuff? We evacuated ourselves because of yeah, a kidnapping right. threat at our children's school. Yeah. yeah. So. Right. Well, and I assume they're going after American kids or kids. People like that, they, that they yeah. think they think have it got to the point they were just going after anyone that they thought had any amount of money or you know that right. they could extort and right and get, but that's yeah. scary <laughs> so when you guys moved to mexico did you have did you have a family at that point or was it just yeah. you and your wife okay no we moved and uh my daughter was well, i want to say she was like 11 or 12 and then my son would have been four years younger than that okay so he's, you know, 70 wow. years so old. So they were pretty, like, planted already here. They were both in school and well, kind it, of picking up Well, in a way, but it was moving. a journey that our family had known about. I mean, Taylor knew about it as a little girl. That, yeah. That one day we would be, we would be in Mexico. Mexico. And so right. it was kind of like the – it was a family dream or a family plan. Yeah. And, um, you know, the kids, they did pretty good. 
Okay. Yeah. Now you had to go to Costa Rica for language school. Did you do that as a right. family? Oh yeah, we did and that they, as a family. We were there for a year. They have the kids go to language school yep. as well when they're in Costa Rica. Yeah, they go to a, it's an English speaking school, but they study Spanish, and they they did really well. I was going to say I've heard the kids learn foreign languages faster than adults. Oh, yeah, the brain, well, just anything oh, yeah. at all. Like there's yeah. a certain age where things are easier to learn because your brain is still developing. And yeah, um, I, I'll never forget. I was on a missions trip in Belgium, and there was a little kid there. And there's tons of different cultures from different countries. Right. He yeah. was he was. Uh, I think he was five years old and he was fluent in four different languages which is because he <laughs> yeah. he was around them all the time so <clears throat> right, he right. was a little filipino boy and he could speak english uh french um and then two other languages. i don't Gali remember yeah i don't remember what the other two were but i just remember thinking like man this kid can speak four different right, languages right. he's gonna it's, work for the cia it's impressive sure. yeah 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 <laughs> okay so uh last couple questions and then we'll be done but how did you end up where you're at now your, your position that you're currently in Hmm. <laughs> do you have any idea how you ended up where you are now? <laughs> well, I I don't know. Other than yeah. it's just can God's I can plan. I answer that? Yeah, go for because it. Because we've been good friends for years. So there's been uh-huh. this phone call that came in. I'm I you know this happened. Or this door closed or this door opened. I my answer to that question as an outside observer is obedience, one step at a time. That as a door opened, yeah. it was always prayerfully considered, right. and then and then walk through or just disobedience. Whatever God said was next was next. I watched while you were, you know, became the assistant director, and then, you know what I mean. And then we talked about it. The, I'm, I might be the next guy to be the director. I said, "Well, that's exciting, Dave, but not not really. No, let me. I'm praying <laughs> about it. I'm, you know, yeah. there's no such thing as a promotion. A promotion in the kingdom just gives you more responsibility, more weight. Right. You know, so isn't you, that? You don't I mean, take it lightly. I feel like you've had a similar story where it's like you had a goal when you came to Fenton of yeah. like, I want to be a pastor and I want to have a thousand people and then yeah. a church. Yeah. And I'm thinking I'm going to hit that when I'm like 60. And then it's like yeah. you're 33, 34 and that happens. Yeah. And maybe like similar story of yours, like I want to be a missionary in Mexico city. And then it happens. And then it's like, okay, well now what God, like that's all I've ever wanted. And then yeah. you find out that there's maybe more to that or pastor Caleb yesterday talking about youth ministry, youth ministry, youth ministry. And then it's like, Oh wait, no, there might actually China. be, yeah. More to this. I think if you go back to Ephesians 2.10, where God's workmanship created to do good works. Yeah. I, every every day cannot be wasted. Even right. if we waste it, it somehow gets redeemed. You know, even if yeah. I mean, my, my past, your past, the addictions, the constructions, the, you know, you say, well, that has nothing to do with being a pastor, nothing to do with being a missionary. It's like, no, that's, that was actually the school. He's got that's more right. degrees than a thermometer, but that, right. that didn't help him to be, you know, now you're in in a country, in a culture, in a, that yeah. he can mix sodium and bicarbonate together and make a soda out of it doesn't you know what right. I mean it doesn't it doesn't help it, it's but it could but the, but, you never the, know. but the discipline of learning chemistry I imagine helped the discipline of learning language you know what I mean that the, the ability to learn some complex system of thought sure you know it's ended up serving them in the end so God God's able to takes all things and works them together for good so every every day right. cannot be wasted by an infinite God who who knows in advance what we're going to need and prepares us for it yeah and I think that's just important for the listeners to hear that that you might feel like you're not doing what you want to be doing right now or working towards your goals, but God's using everything, everything yeah. that you're learning, everything that you're going through to get you. If you're just faithful to what he's asking yeah. you to do. Take your time, man. Yeah. No one, no one gets married too late. They only get married too early. Yeah. No, no one goes to the mission field too late. Well, it's late. funny because it feels like life is so short, but at the same time, yeah. it's so long, and there's so there's so much time to get things done and to just be patient and yeah. do what Jesus God's asking you like to do. waited like 30 years to do his first miracle. I, I think right. it's okay. You know what I mean? Right. We were three years for 30 years of ministry or yeah. career. Jesus prepared 30 years for three years. It's, yep. they're, they're, 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think being better prepared or being just being patient, better prepared, whatever. I, I don't think Dave uh-huh. is prepared to kill a giant, but he's patient. Right. You know what I mean? Just be patient. Your day will come and, and be faithful when you're roofing the house. And it's okay to exactly. punch the roof of the car. It's yep. okay to slam down the plywood and be honest. But yeah. But those questions will be answered in time. It's not like no one ever answered those questions. Those questions were answered. Yeah. I think one of the things that I didn't understand then that I understand now is that there is a lot of white space in mm-hmm. the Bible. <laughs> and by that, I mean there is a lot of time in between the stories that the Bible talks about where yep. people just lived everyday everyday life. Yeah. They did the normal sure. things. They did the process. And God, through the whole thing, was working out his process. Yep. We see Absolutely. a lot of the events in the Bible. Sure. And and it's, you know, the those are, the events are what pop out at <clears throat> us as, like, changing. That everything changed at this moment. Yeah. But really everything changed on a daily basis because right. it, God prepared you for those moments. Yeah. I'm thinking about, like, King David. He gets anointed king, but he's a shepherd boy. He doesn't go yeah. to being the king. He goes back to being a shepherd and, boy. And right. what, what better preparation to take care of the details of a kingdom than being a shepherd that takes care of sheep? And, you know, right. he kills a lion and a bear before he kills a giant. Yeah. But there really is a, you know, if, if what, we're, what God is measuring is, is quality and fidelity, not quantity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Good and faithful is what's important. Not, yeah not the other stuff, then you work on quality and fidelity and quantity is up to God. It's not right. Just well, I think that was a big point that you just said of faithful, the word of just yeah. be faithful with what God's giving to you now. Yeah. And, exactly. and you'll get, you'll get more when you're faithful and you, you do some, what God is asking. Some pretty you to great do. people in scripture did nothing but watch sheep for a living prior to doing some right. you know, part of being Kings and deliverers and prophets. They just yeah. watch sheep. Right. It's, and if you ever, <laughs> if you ever watch sheep, it's really boring. Yeah. There's nothing to do. Right. It's, it's like watching C-SPAN. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you very much, David, for coming and sharing your story. I think it's going to inspire a lot of people that listen to this. So just keep doing what God is asking you to do. Keep remaining faithful. And uh, just know that the big things in life don't just all of a sudden happen. They happen because you're being faithful in a lot of small, everyday things that happen. So thanks, guys. We'll thanks talk for having me. Yeah. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Hasta luego.